So in a minute, and randomly in a minute, I'm going to ask a few of you to share your testimony. So I want you to gather your thoughts. I don't know who I'm going to pick yet, but just gather your thoughts about sharing your testimony. So, but before we do that, I just want to just kind of review for you a little bit about what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We've been talking about this series. We call it Ignite and, and what God wants to do in your heart and your soul and in your spirit. He wants to ignite a flame inside of you that is passionate and is on fire, is enthusiastic for, for God. And that's the way that God wants us to all to live. And so we've been just talking about what God wants to do in you and through you and for you. And that's what always what God is. He's always for you. He's never against you. And we as a church, me as a pastor, I never want to get, you know, take something from you. It's not what we can get out of you. It's always about what God wants to do for you and in you. So that's always the goal because that's who God is about. And so we've been just coming around our mission as a church. Our mission is to love people and to grow in, grow in Jesus, love people, love wherever they're at, whatever they're going through, whatever their circumstances are, even whatever they believe, whatever their preferences are. We, we just are called, Jesus just says, I just want you to love people. I just want you to go and love people. That's going to be a way that people are going to know that you're my followers by the way that you love one another, not based on your standard of love, not based on how you know you think you should love. It's based on how Jesus loved. That's what he said. He says, I want you to love in the same way that I loved you. That's how I want you to love one another. And we want you to grow. We want you to grow in Jesus, that we think that God has begun a good work in you. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, that God has begun an incredible, incredible work in your heart and life. He wants to change you, transform you for the better and from the inside out. And, and, and it takes, it requires you to grow in Jesus. That's why, you know, Juan was talking about and, you know, is going to be talking about after church today about getting involved in an empower group if you're not involved in an empower group man we we think that you should because we want you to grow in your in your walk with Jesus we want you to become more like Jesus God wants you to become more like Jesus because that's what the world needs and so we been, we gave the why the why why do we why do we do this why do we love people why do we grow in Jesus because you were guided by someone else so when week, you know, the, I guess it would say week two or the first what was invest and invite, you, somebody invested in you, remember that? Somebody invested in you and then somebody invited you to church. Somebody invested in you, somebody spent time with you and then they invited you to church. You should want to do the same for someone else. That some, what somebody did for you and, and what you now experience for yourself, you should want to do that for somebody else, you have a spiritual gift to offer. So the reason why we tell you, like last week, and you know, again, it's never what we can get out of you. It's never what we can get out of you. It's what God wants to do in and through you. It's what God wants to do for you. And so we think that God has given you an ability, a special ability, a spiritual gift to be used. You know, to to employ it. You know, Paul tells Timothy to employ it, to 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 ignite it, to fan the flame of that gift that resides in you, so that you can love people the way that Jesus loved people. And He's given you resources to do that. He's given you power, love, 
and self-control. He's given you the resources for you to be able to love people in that way and to grow in Jesus. And then you were granted amazing grace. These are the whys of why we do what we do. You've been granted this incredible, amazing grace. God extended his love to you. God extended you know, his son to you so that you can know what it means to be forgiven and set free. And, and that isn't something that you earn or deserve or you know, worked for, that you can't do that. It wasn't by your works. You know, we talked about last week, it wasn't by your works so that you can't boast about how you can attain a spiritual reality of being in the presence of God. It had nothing to do with you. It never has anything to do with you. It has everything to do with what God has done for you. And God has given you grace as a gift for you to receive. And he will forgive you of your sins when you repent of your sins. He will forgive you and he will give you eternal life. What amazing grace that is. Are you with me, church? All right, so those are the whys. So like I said, I've been already sort of, so we'll briefly go through this, but the why are these, the what is invest and invite. Number two, the what number two is, is to grow. We want you to grow in, in, in that. We want you to grow in your relationship with Christ. Talked about that. What number three is we want you to make some sacrifices in your life to serve. We want you to sacrifice maybe some things in your life that's all goes together, that all works together, making some sacrifices so that you can make time to serve and to meet needs. And maybe many of you are already doing that. God bless you, keep doing that. For those of you that maybe don't have a ministry or aren't on a ministry team, you know, there's opportunities for you to do that. Last week, if you weren't here, we had you, you know, commit to filling out a card and, and giving a ministry team an opportunity for you to serve in and to be a part of. So we want you to be able to do that. Now, just a minute ago, I asked some of you to, I asked all of you really, that I was going to call on you to share your testimony. Show of hands, how many of you that made you nervous? Just a show of hands. When you heard me say that, how many of you are like, it better not be me? Now, aren't there things in this, in this life, right? Aren't there things in this life that make you nervous? Like me just saying, in a minute, I'm gonna randomly pick some of you to share your testimony. All of you, you didn't even hear, hear what I said the last five minutes. All you're thinking of is, is he gonna pick me? Is he gonna pick me? You in the balcony, you're thinking, he's not gonna pick somebody from the balcony, is he? He's, there was no way. I mean, it would take too long for me to get down out of the balcony, you know? I'm, you know so maybe you're like, so there's just things in life, right? And public speaking is one of those things. They just make you nervous, and especially if you're not prepared, as, like I was wanting you to believe. There's things in life that make you nervous. Now, there's other things. I'm, by the way, I'm not gonna randomly ask any of you to share your testimony, so now you can relax. Ah, take a breath, okay, but not until the end. So, um, no, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, no, no testimony. But there are other things like, like snow advisories, right? Snow advisories, how many of you get nervous when you know that you know, meteorologist comes on your favorite you know, channel, local channel, and they tell you that there's you know, some 15 inches of snow coming in? How many of you are like, get in the car, Let, we need milk, we need you know, gas it up, I don't know why we need to gas up the car for this, but we need to go get gas, you know, they're gonna run out of gas, you know? And like, you, you just like, we need comfort food, because who knows how long we're gonna to be locked into the, you know, how many of you get nervous when you see the snow advisories, right? We, we, some of us get nervous, you know, we go out to the grocery store, we get what we need because you don't know how long you're going to be trapped in your house. Uh, another things we get nervous about, unexplained rashes, anybody else? <laughs> anybody else? Unexplained, an unexplained rash, you're like, you know, on Google images, you know, 
How many of you have ever done this? You know, you're like, oh, does this look like my rash? You know, you're holding your phone up to the rash or, you know, and we're not even going to get into where those things could be. But these, you know, you're like, how many of these make you nervous? You're like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. Other things that make us nervous is social engagements, you know what I mean? Like you're entertaining, you know, people are coming over your house, you're like, oh, what am I, you know, is, are they gonna like what I, is, are they gonna like my house? Are they, is this nice enough? Do they, they have nicer things? And then, we, then you're thinking about when they come over, what is the small talk gonna be about? You know, what are we gonna chat about? What, you know, how long do we have to chat until I move on to somebody else? You know, like how long is this gonna be? And all of these, so many different fears when it comes to social engagements, a couple more. Uh, police sirens, anybody else? I get nervous when you hear a police siren coming behind you, right? And you're like, I think I was driving the speed limit, but maybe I wasn't, ah, you know, and you, you sort of get that nervous feeling when that siren's coming your way. And then when it blows by, you're like, oh, phew, you know, it wasn't me. And you're, you're starting to think about your registration, your car registration and your insurance. Is it up to date? Did I put the right one in my car? All these things. So we all have these fears. Other fears that I see people have, bees, I just lumped all these together. Bees, spiders, and snakes. Anybody have fears of or get nervous around bees or spiders? Yep, yep. Oh yeah, you get nervous. You're like, oh, there's a bee flying around me. Ah, you know, you know the bee doesn't want to die too, right? You know that, right? Like, so when the bee's flying around you, it's aware that when it stings you, it's also going to die. So don't get, you know, usually you, we get kind of like panicky and that's what makes the bee get panicky and the bee go, eh, eh, you know, sting you. So chillax, right? right? I, I don't know if that's a word still, but just chillax. I'll let you write that down. Okay, um, these are things, spiders, you know, there's a spider in the house. Oh, you know, we get nervous, we get nervous. So another thing that we get nervous about is, is this. Pastors preaching about generosity. Am I right? Oh boy. That's another thing that we get nervous about. And what number four is, is this? And again, again, listen, listen, listen. This is, I, you need to know this. You need to know this. This is not about what we, what I, what we as a church can get from you. It's what God wants to do for you. So what number four is simply this, get and give, get and give. That we think that God wants us to be generous. God wants us to give. That's a, it's a mandate. It's something that even one of those things that my wife and I were talking about, you know, a couple days ago. It's, it's one of those things that you don't even need to really pray about. You know, I mean, all of these what's that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, these are not even something that you need to go, oh, I, should, I need to pray about it. Should I? You know, I need to pray about investing and inviting somebody. Or, I, whoa, I need to pray about, there they are. We need, I need to pray about, you know, you know serving. I, no, 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 no. You don't even need to pray about it. You should just do it. Giving is something that you don't even really need to pray about. It's just something that you, you and I should be, be doing. And so I hope, I hope for the next few minutes that we have together, and I know you're, you're nervous now, you're back to being nervous, you're like, I'd rather share my testimony. Let me share my testimony. Like, let me just get up and talk, and I'll kill all the time, and, and you don't have to talk about being generous. But listen, 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 I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is something that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about. And if Jesus spent a lot of time talking about it, I need to be talking about it sometimes. 
And I probably only do this twice a year at the most. And so I, I and I'm not really going to give you, you know, anything to try to make you feel bad. I just really want this to be something that revolutionizes your thoughts on generosity and what you do with your stuff. And that could be your, your, your things that you own. That could be your time that you have. This could be the money that you possess or the money that you get in or whatever the case may be. God just says, I want you to be generous with this. I want you to be generous with this. So I want to read you a story, and then I want to give you a few observations when it comes to the story. And now this is not typically, when I think about generosity or you think about generosity, this is not typically a story that we use, but, but this story really just came alive for me when we think about and we come around the idea of getting and giving or generosity. This is something that really just exploded in my life. And I hope, my prayer is that this explodes in your heart too today. I really do. I hope that this explodes in your heart today like it exploded in mine over the last couple weeks as I'm thinking about and praying about what to say to you uh, this morning. And so the story is in Matthew 21, and, and it's, it's Passover time. And typically this story is shared, you know, around Easter time, the Sunday, you know, Palm Sunday is typically when this story is shared. And so you, maybe you're probably familiar with it, hearing it around that time of year. But he says, it says this, Passover time, he says, when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. So you have here, you got Jesus telling Coming, getting ready to you know, come into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And he tells a couple of his disciples, I want you to go to the city opposite of us and I want you to find someone that has a donkey and a baby donkey. I want you to get a donkey and I want you to get a baby donkey. Maybe this blows up your theory or thought or what you've seen before in Easter plays you know, where Jesus rides into a donkey. But Jesus literally rides into, onto two donkeys. He rides in on a donkey and a colt, a, a donkey and a baby donkey is what Jesus asked for. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to tell the owner of the donkey and the baby donkey to untie them and bring them to me. Verse three, if anyone says anything to you, which by the way, he said that because he knew that somebody would say something to them. The, he knew that these two disciples, whoever these two disciples were, we don't know, that they would go up, they would go to somebody's house, they would see a donkey and a baby donkey, they would see the disciples, this, the owner of the donkey and the baby donkey would see the disciples taking or stealing his donkeys. And so of course they're gonna say to him, why are you taking my donkey and my baby donkey? Why are you taking? What do you, what do you want with them? What the Lord says, and then he, he tells them, if anybody says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Verse four. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. So this was prophesied 500 years prior to this event prior to Jesus sending the two disciples to go and take a donkey and a baby donkey. This was spoken through the prophet 500 years prior. Here's what it says. It says, say to the daughters of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, a donkey and a baby donkey in the full of a beast of burden. Verse six, 
The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. Verse 7, and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. The coats. Verse 8, most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. Verse 9, the crowds going ahead of him uh, and those who fouled were shouting, Hosanna, which means save us, save us, save us now, it's, it, is what, it's saying, what they're saying. Save us, save us now. And he's, the, son of, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the, in the highest. And then it says in verse 10, when he had entered Jerusalem, when he had entered the city, all the city, say all the city, say that with me, all the city was stirred, saying, who is this? Man, I just want you to know that when Jesus came into the city, though everybody began to worship Jesus. In another gospel, it tells us that they were upset because people were worshiping Jesus and calling him Savior, and the religious people were saying to Jesus, you need to tell them to stop treating you as if you are God. And Jesus said, if they don't, stop, if they don't shout, the rocks will shout out. If they don't shout and praise and worship me, the rocks will shout out. All of creation recognized who Jesus was, and Jesus is coming into this city. And they answer the question, when he entered into the city, the whole city was stirred. In other words, the whole city was on fire for him. The whole city was moved by what Jesus was, who Jesus was. And they were asking the question, who is this? And then the answer to that was, he says that, he is Jesus. He's Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. But I just want to tell you that he's better than Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. He's better than that. You know who Jesus is? I hope he is to, to you. He's your advocate. I hope you know that he, that's who Jesus is to you. If you're wondering who he is, he's the bread of life. He's the substance that you need in order for you to be able to live this life. He is your comforter. That's who Jesus is. Is. He is the resurrection and the life. That's who Jesus is. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no money gets to the Father unless it's through him. He is your author and he is your finisher of your faith. That's who Jesus is to you. He is your defender. He, that's who Jesus is to you. I hope that that's who Jesus is to you because when you know who Jesus is, your heart will be stirred and a whole city will be stirred when you know who Jesus is. I mean, I don't know who he is to you, but man, he is amazing. He can do some amazing work in your life and in your heart. I'm telling you, he will change everything because that's what he is. He's a life changer. He gives life to everything that calls on him and receives him. That's who he is. I hope that's who he is to you because when he's that to you, he will stir your life and he will stir a whole city. That's who he is to you. I hope that's who he is to you. So this is what happens. Now, how does this get to that place? How do we get to a place where the whole city is stirred and they start asking who he is? How does it get to that place? Well, here's how it gets to that place. It gets to that place because of the generosity of somebody that said, you know what, here's my donkey and here's my colt. Here's my donkey, here's my colt. And here's the crazy part about this. 
He decided because of who Jesus was, he decided, here, I'm going to give you what I have. I'm going to give you what I have. And it stirred everything. It changed everything. It moved a whole city. And here's the crazy part about our generosity. Observation number one. Jesus asks for generosity with what he already owns. Jesus asks for generosity with what he already owns. Now, Jesus could have rolled up on this guy himself. He didn't need to send two of his disciples to this guy's house to say, hey, you know, we're taking your donkey and we're taking your baby donkey because the Lord has need of it. And, and And the guy said, okay, there you go. If the Lord needs it, there you go. Jesus could have rolled up on this guy and said, I'm taking what is already mine. Jesus could have done that. Jesus could have rolled up on him like like revelation style Jesus, you know what I'm talking about? Bright, shining like the sun, flames in his eyes, double-edged swords coming out of his mouth. And you know what that owner of the donkey and the baby donkey would have done? He would have fallen flat on his face and wished to die. Jesus could have rolled up on that guy and done that to him, but Jesus didn't choose to do that because God never chooses to use Fear to manipulate people. God only leads by love and gives you and I an opportunity to join him in what he's doing. He could have demanded those and said, these are not your donkeys anyways. These are my donkeys and I'm taking what is already mine. But Jesus doesn't do that. And he doesn't do that to you and he doesn't do that to me. And Jesus asks us to be generous. Now, you know what else Jesus could have done? Jesus could have been like, I need a couple donkeys, and I'm just going to have a couple donkeys appear. I mean, don't you think that would have been maybe just an easier process? Like, Jesus had the ability to, to genie a couple donkeys into the, his presence, don't you think? I mean, come on, God made all of creation by the words of his mouth. If Jesus wanted to, he, he could have been like, all right, so 500 years ago, it tells us that I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to ride in on a couple donkeys, which by the way, if Jesus is willing to ride in on a couple beasts called the beasts of burdens, maybe you and I need to get off our high horses sometimes. That's another sermon for another day. But let me just say this. Jesus could have been like, Poof, donkey, baby donkey. Right? I mean, he could have. All right, boys, let's go. Let's get on, let's get on, let's ride in here. You know, he could have, he could have done that, but that's not what he did. Jesus said, you know what? I want some guy to have a part in something amazing that stirs a whole city where people start to ask who Jesus is. And and Jesus sent two of his disciples, whom we don't even know who they are, he sent two of his disciples to go to a random guy's house and ask this random guy for two of his donkeys so that the guy can freely give his donkeys so that Jesus can use them. God allows us, this is the crazy part about generosity, God allows us to be a part of what he wants 
to do. Isn't that crazy? That God says, listen, now, if God wanted to like build an orphanage somewhere, he could have been, he could go, poof, there's an orphanage. There's homes for now homeless children. He could do that. If God wanted to provide medical care for people around the world that needed medical care, you don't, you don't think that God could go, poof, here's medical care. If God, if you don't think that God wanted to provide you know, food and, and clean water for people around the world, don't you think that God could go, poof, here's clean water and here's food? You don't think God could do that? Of course he could. But you know why he doesn't do that? Because he wants us. He wants us to get to be a part of what he wants to do. A couple weeks ago, my family and I were on Noah's Ark. Not the original one, but the new (laughs) one. We went to Kentucky, where it's at. They built this replica of the actual measurements of of Noah's Ark. Kind of cool. You should go. It's only about a four and a half hour ride. I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking about, man, that's exactly what God could have done there, too, don't you think? Like, God could have been like, hey, Noah, listen, here's what's going to happen. In in a few years, it's going to rain, and I'm going to just have a boat appear, and Noah's going to go, what's that? You know, what are you, you know, and and God could have been like, poof, there's there's an ark. I want you to just, you and your family, I want you to get on the ark. The earth is going to flood because I'm bringing my wrath upon, you know, the earth because of sin that, you know, people have kind of done what they wanted to do in their own eyes, what they thought was right in their own eyes, and they're living selfishly and self centeredly and and greed greed has taken over their hearts and minds and souls and and I just want to just I'm just ending it God could have done that but instead no no God said to Noah Noah and here's a picture of the ark just so you know where here we go there's a picture of it and God could have been like hey you know what I'm just gonna build that I'm just gonna allow that to show up and you get to get on it right but no that's not what God did God said to Noah God God said Noah I want you to build this I want you to build this thing. And you know what the people that were around there were watching? The people that were around there were watching God through a man named Noah and his family build something. You understand? They were watching them build something. And God was going to say, listen, my wrath is coming. My wrath is coming, but God in his love and kindness, God in his patience would say, I'm going to be patient enough for Noah for you to complete this task of something that I want you to be a part of, of something that I want you to build. And then over the 75 years or 100 years or however long it took Noah and his family to build this ark, then meanwhile, you're going to go out there and you're going to tell people that they need to get on this thing. You're going to go out there and I'm going to give you this amount of time. But in that time frame, Noah, I'm going to build something and I'm going to let you be a part of it. How crazy is it that God says, listen, what is already mine, I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you to give to what I'm going to do in the world or what I want to do in the world. And God could demand it, but he doesn't. And God could say, give it to me, but he doesn't. 
And God could just make something happen. I mean, come on, come on. God could just put a church in Walled Lake, you know, or Commerce or Wolverine Lake or Waterford or South Lyon or Wixom or Novi. God could just build these churches and they could be thriving, healthy churches where people just gather together, thousands of people gather together and they worship him because he deserves it. But instead he says, listen, I want you people to be a part of building something in these cities so that can, people can watch what, what, what God can do when generous people come together and they give their time, and they give their resources, and they give their energy, and they give their money to building something that is healthy and thriving for people to come and be a part of. Isn't that crazy? If God wanted to do that, God could do that, but instead God says, I want you to just be a part of it. I'm letting you Join me in what I want to do in a city. And what God wants to do in a city, what God wants to do in this city, and what God wants to do in our neighbor cities, what God wants to do in this county, what God wants to do in this state, what God wants to do in this country, what God wants to do in this world, is he wants to stir it for people to worship him. He wants to stir it for a city to be turned up on its head and people to ask, who is this Jesus? And you, for the most part of us in this room, you already know who he is. Why wouldn't we want everybody else to know who he is? Church, come on, are you with me? He lets us be a part what is already his. He lets us be generous. And to give what is already his. his. I, you know what I love? Point observation number two. Jesus rides into a city on the generosity of nameless people. You know what I love about this story? We have no idea who the guy was that owned the donkeys. I love that. I love that we have no idea who, who this guy was. All we know is two disciples. We don't even know who they were. Two disciples rolled up on this guy. They start stealing his donkeys. And the guy's like, what are you doing with my donkeys? And they say, the Lord has need, with, need of it. Okay, take them. If the Lord needs it, take them. This is mine. This is what I have. But I, he, the guy must have realized, wait a second. It's not really mine. It's, it's God's. It's not really mine. It's the Lord's. He gave it. I love that Jesus rides into a city on the generosity of nameless people. People we don't even know who their names are. People that we can't even know how to celebrate them and honor them because they deserve that because of their generosity. But that's how Jesus rides up it. Again, Jesus could have rode in on anything he wanted to ride in on. I'm just going along with this theme right now. Jesus could have rode in on a Boeing 777 if he wanted to. If he wanted to, I know that that wasn't invented yet, but Jesus didn't need to know what was already invented yet. Jesus could bring in on a Boeing 777. That thing could just fly in. You know what happened? What, what would happen in Jerusalem? They would be like terrified on their face, crying, you know, um, who knows what else. You can imagine that for yourself. If he rolled in on that, but that's not what Jesus did. 
Jesus said, give me a couple donkeys. Because 500 years prior to that, that's what they said would happen. And I'm going to roll up on a couple donkeys because of some generous guy who gave me a couple donkeys to ride up on. And he could have rode up on that. He could have flew in on that. Clear Jerusalem highway, whatever it was called then. I'm coming in. But instead, he's like, hey, thanks to some nameless person, I'm being worshiped. Hey, thanks to some nobody, I'm rolling up on this city and people are praising me because of who he is. Well, I I think it would be incredible for you to be somebody like that, a nameless person that just says, you know what, I'm just gonna... I want people, I want Jesus to ride into, onto, into my city. And I'm going to give to that. I'm going to be generous to that. And I want Jesus to ride up in my city because he's the one that changes lives. He's the one that makes a difference. He's the one. You, you, story after story. I mean, I love the story of the, of the widow, right? All we know her is know her as the widow's might. You know what I'm talking about? If you're a Bible person, widow's might. All we know her is that. We don't know her name. We All we know is what happened when she was a widow. So her husband passed away. You know, all we know, we don't know a lot. All we know is that she gave, she gave just a couple silver or a couple copper coins. Just a couple copper coins. And Jesus celebrated her because she just, all she had was a couple copper coins that she gave to God. And Jesus said, wow, wow, out of her poverty she gave. She doesn't have anything. All she has is a couple, you know, copper coins to put together. That's all she had, and she gave that to God. And he honored her because of that. We don't know her name, and she didn't even have much. But she gave generously for that. You remember when Jesus fed all of those people? Remember the, the, the feeding of the 5,000, if, you know, if you know your Bible? Remember that he fed all those people and it was more than 5,000, 5,000 men, but there was more than that. There was probably up to 20,000 people there. You know how Jesus was able to do that? Because some little boy, do we know his name? No. You would think that because of the generosity of some little boy who said he walks up with his lunch, and says, I got, a, I got a couple fish and a few loaves of bread. Is this going to help? Will this work? And Jesus said, this is perfect. Jesus takes the lunch of a no-name, nameless little boy, takes the lunch and feeds a whole lot of people with it. That's what I want to be a part of. Don't you want to be a part of that? I mean, I'm telling you, God, that's what God wants to do. That's the picture that God wants to show us. It's just, it, just, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a heart, a motive of generosity to say, listen, I can take what little you have, and I can do a whole lot with it. I can take what little you have, a couple donkeys, and I can ride into a city, and the whole city will be stirred because of who Jesus is. Just a little bit of what we have. A number of years ago, seven plus years ago, I was at a church in Waterford, mega church, uh, campus pastor there, other campuses around. Um, 
I was a campus pastor there, and um, I was um, um, overseeing a what we called uh, neighborhood Bible clubs or what, something along those lines. Neighborhood. What we did was instead of doing it a, a, a VBS or vacation Bible school where kids came to the church, we asked people of the church to open up their homes to allow kids to go to their homes and have you know an hour or two of fun and, and games and all that stuff. So I was sort of projecting you know this plan. So instead of doing this, we're going to do this, and we want you to open up your home. A man walked up to me after I was done announcing that, and he said I would be willing to open up my home. He goes, I, I live on a lake, and I have a pool, and I love for kids to come over to my house. I said, man, if you live on a lake and have a pool, that sounds awesome. That's where I'm going to go. And so I, I took my group of kids, and there were about 15 kids, and we went over to this guy's house, and we, they went, I mean, we, we took a bunch of, um, to his house, we took a bunch of inner city kids uh, from, from Pontiac. We took about 20, 25 inner city kids from Pontiac over to his house. I mean, they were, it was hilarious. They were like calling him Richie Rich, you know, and, and, and that wasn't his name, but they were, that's that's just what they were calling them. And they had an awesome time, great time. They were swimming in this pool and, and going out on a boat and jet skis. And we taught them about Jesus. And it was just amazing. And so that, a little while later, I was uh, hosting a, um, a, a gathering for graduated seniors. And I wanted to do something more than just hot dogs and hamburgers for graduated seniors to come to my house. And so I'm just telling people, if you have a graduated senior, I want you to you know, come over and we're going to you know, have some food. And he came up to me again. And he goes, hey, listen, I just want you to know that I would, be, I would love to contribute to that. I, and he's, I don't know what you need. And I said, well, I mean, I'd love to do something more than just hot dogs and, uh, you know, hamburgers. I'd love to do something more than that. He goes, how about I get a bunch of steaks? I said, that sounds great. And so he gave me, a, he, he wrote me a check and he says, go and buy a bunch of steaks, man. We had steak dinner at this graduated senior thing. I don't know what graduated senior thing we had here, but it wasn't steaks, I'm pretty sure. And I'm telling you, it was like awesome. It was amazing. This guy, he's like, and every time, every time he's like, I don't want anybody to know who I am. I just want, I just want you, I just want to give and I just want to be a part of what God is going to do. I said, no problem, no problem. So a few, little while after that, I announced that I was, leaving there and coming here. I'm, I was going to leave Waterford and I was going come to come to Wald Lake and be a part of you know, what God may want to do in, in this community, in this city, and in this, in this church. And so he walks up to me afterwards and he says, listen, I'm excited for you. I'm pumped for you. I can't believe I, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're gone, but man, I just want you to know that is there anything I can do for you to be an encouragement to you in any way? I said, well, you know, I mean, it's a little uh, outdated. The building's a little outdated, you know. And I said, uh, you know, we, we don't have any screens to project things. You know, I like to have scriptures up on the screens and this and that. There's none of that. And I said, I said, there's pews. And I go, you know me, I like to have like a multi-purpose room. So I'd like to, you know, get rid of the pews and just get chairs and uh, so that we can move the chairs out when we need to so that we can have kids or teenagers come in the room. And we, I just like to have that. And I t told him some things. I said, you know, some of the stuff is outdated. And he goes, all right, all right, all right. He goes, how about, he goes, don't tell anybody. He goes, how about I write you a check for $50,000? I said, I've never seen a check for $50,000. <laughs> he goes, will that help? I said, I, th I think I can make it work. <laughs> Some no-name guy said, I just want to be a part of what God wants to do in a city. 
And I want to be a part of because I know who Jesus is and I want other people to know who Jesus is. And I want you to ride into that city with some generosity to get you going so that that city can be stirred for Jesus. You don't even know who he is and you'll never know who he is because he doesn't want to know. He doesn't want you to know. He wants God to get all the glory. He wants God to do the great work. But I just want you to know that there are people, I'm telling you, there are people that are just generous people that say, listen, this is what it takes. This, if this is what it takes, this is what I'm going to do. And he had the ability to write a check for $50,000. I, I don't know who has the ability to write a check for $50,000. I don't know who that is. But he did. And he's like, I just want to be a part of what God wants to do. I want to be a part of what Jesus is going to do in a city. Because I know who Jesus is to me. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my advocate. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my life. He's my defender. He's my author and he's my finisher of my faith. That's who he is. And I want everybody to know who he is. Sometimes it takes the generosity of no-name people for, for the whole city to be stirred. Third observation. Third observation. Generosity writes us into the unfinished story of the church. Generosity writes us into the unfinished story of the church. You say, unfinished story of the church? Yeah. Did you know that the story of the church isn't done yet? Do you know that the story of the church isn't done yet? It's not done yet. As a matter of fact, if you read Acts, the book of Acts, this is about the story of the church, right? It's about the story of what the beginning of the church and what God was doing you know, in the first century. And if you read the book of Acts, you read Acts 28, you know what you'll discover? You'll discover that it sort of just ends abruptly. We don't even really know what happened to the Apostle Paul. We can assume that the Apostle Paul was taken you know, by Roman you know, government and he was beheaded. That's what legend says. That's what you know, history teaches. But we don't, the Bible doesn't tell us that. Acts 28 just ends abruptly. You know why it ends abruptly? Because the story of the church is still going. And until Jesus comes back again, we're still living in the story of the church. And you know what happens? Generosity writes us into the story of the church. You and I are a part of something much bigger than us. You and I are a part of this thing that God started years and years and years ago called the church. And the church is an institution that God created to, to say, listen, we're going as a force out into this world to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And hell will not prevail over the power and the authority of the church. Nothing will come against the power and the authority of the church. And I got news for you. You are and I am the church. And you and I get to be a part of this unfinished story of the church. That God is still writing. 
that God is still telling, that God is still doing something. Listen, I know, I know, we, like, we look around and we're like, this is it. No, this is not it. This is our world. Our world is full of people that are gathering together on a Sunday morning, worshiping Jesus and going out there on Mondays and through Saturday, living for him every single day, living for him and doing. That's what the church looks like. And that story is still unfolding. And you and I, crazy thought, you and I get to be a part of that. And this church God's still telling the story of this church. This church, God is not done yet with. This church can still and still will be a force to be reckoned with. This church, if if all of us can lock in and say, listen, I want to get stirred. I want to get ignited. I want to be a part of investing and inviting and serving and sacrificing and growing and getting and giving. I'm telling you that we can make a huge difference in this city and any other city that God calls us to. I want you to know that we are still telling a story and you get to be a part of of that. How exciting is that? How exciting is that? That God's going, listen, you get to join in. You get to be a part. And God's still telling the story until he comes back again. God is still telling this story. On many occasions, my kids and I would go to McDonald's. I'd get my kids a happy meal, or now my kids are getting bigger. They're getting the adult meals, and it's getting more expensive. We'll sit there at McDonald's, and commonly I'll grab for some of their fries. I eat all my fries, and I eat all my cheeseburgers, so I grab for their fries. And they'll say, chill, dad, chill out, dad. Something like that. Those are my fries. Those are my fries. And I'll say, oh, they're your fries? Because I don't know when we walked up to the register, I don't remember you pulling out your wallet and paying for these fries. Uh, Whose fries are these, technically? Uh, They're your fries, technically. I say, yeah. And then I'll I'll say, you know, if you didn't say that they're your fries, you know what I could have done? You know what I could have done? I could have walked up to the register and I could have bought you another extra large fry. And if you would have eaten all of those extra large fries, you know what I would have done? I could have walked up to the register and bought you more fries. I could bury you in fries if I wanted to. If I wanted to. Isn't that how we are? Whoa, 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 chill, God. Those are my money. Whoa, 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 chill, God. You want, you're asking for how much? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's my fries. And we forget that we have a God who owns everything. 
And your stuff is not actually your stuff. Your stuff is his stuff. What you have is, comes from God. And we forget that, don't we? And God is saying to you and is saying to me, hey, listen, listen, when you want to get stingy and you want to just think that all you have is that little medium fry or small fry and that's all you're going to get, God's going, I could bury you in fries if I wanted. God's got a whole lot of fries of generosity that he wants to do for you. God's got a whole lot of fries of grace. He's got a whole lot of fries of provision. He's got a whole lot of fries of forgiveness. He's got a whole lot of fries of goodness. He's got a whole lot of fries of of healing. He's got a whole lot of fries of taking things that are broken and putting them back together. He's got a whole lot of fries, doesn't he, church? And we have some fries for you too today. I told somebody, I said, hey, um, I, yeah, I want to do this illustration, and what do you think? And the guy goes, the guy says, man, I want to I buy some fries for the church. Isn't that cool? So because of some, somebody who is generous, God's wanting to provide you some French fries before you leave today. But I hope it's just a reminder. I hope it's just a reminder that when you start to go, oh, whoa, 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 God, whoa, whoa, God, those are mine, that you remember everything is his anyways. And he lets you and me be a part of it. How crazy is that? He lets us be a part of the untold, unfinished story of the church. How crazy is that? We get to be a part of the building process. How awesome is that? And the result of that, a city that's stirred and people asking you, who is this Jesus? Boy, that will change everything. It will change everything. I just want to remind you as you take your fries, if you want to be a part, we hope you are. If, you, if you're already a part of an Empower group, God bless you. You don't need to stay, but if you aren't, we have pizza, and now we have fries for you. Let's pray. God, you ride up into cities on the generosity of nameless people. And those cities are stirred. And those cities are stirred not because of any donkeys like us, but because of you. Father, you allow us to be a part of and to give to what is already yours. And get to be a part of this unfinished story called the church. The church that is at the forefront and the center of culture in your eyes. The church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. 
Help us not to be like immature young children who get upset when their father tries to take a little bit of fries from a batch that is already his. Knowing that you have the ability to provide beyond and abundantly beyond what we can even think, what we can even ask, because that's who you are. We thank you for the opportunity we had to just think about what you want to do for us, not what you want to take from us, and to see what you can do when you're at the center of everything that we have. Father, thank you for the time. Bless each one here in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Take a fry.